Wheels, 11.53am, May 30th, entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized, a Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show, that's what I need, fun show, reasonably paced. My name is Joe, I'm joined as always by Wheels. How are you, Wheels? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I am on the wrong episode, though uh, I was really confused as I'm looking through the mm. script, like, I don't remember any of this. Hold on, let me... What episode number did we just watch? It's this one. It's episode well, five, correct? It's episode five, six in total. You know. Yeah. Cooper's it's, Dreams is the title, which is yes. odd because I don't. Does he in this one? He does. No, I, I, I think it refers to the noun of his dreams rather than a verb, uh, because I think I think there are some things that connect back because uh, he sees like the That's red true. drapes we, and he's like, see, ah, mm-hmm. the drapes. We go to the place where there's always music in the air that we heard so much about. There's always music in the air. <laughs> uh-huh. We go there. I guess that's true. I, I like the the Lynch dream logic of it all, but it is also funny being like, red curtains, just like my dreams. It's like you're just connecting any thread you have, man. Come it's on. just a color, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we open on Icelandic chants. <laughs> we do. I don't know if it's actually... An Icelandic drinking song, but it the film the film the television show purports to us mm. that what we are hearing is some sort of Icelandic drinking song, I guess, because we open in the Great Northern, and boy oh boy, the you know once the Norwegians left, Ben and Jerry Horn got a little more desperate in their. Uh, in who they're gonna sell to, so they they're selling to Icelanders now. And boy, mm-hmm. those boys really know how to sing at two a.m. I guess is the implication. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know if there was like a fuck I- people from Iceland opinion at this point, but this this show seems to have it. That's a good question. Well, I don't know because they... th- this this show's depiction of them is just people who are constantly singing and keeping you up at 2 a.m. Yeah. I mean, Jerry's having a good time. He's back in this episode, but Cooper's like they haven't adjusted their their biological clocks yet. I so yeah. they're singing when I should be sleeping. I don't I don't know if that's a fault on them or not. Who could say? I do like that the the Glastonbury Grove it does have the song here, but it is Icelanders 1 and Icelanders 2. Just, I don't know why I find that a very charming... The sequel. Uh, yeah. I just imagine... You thought the, the you, pe- you, thought you knew it jump. all in Icelanders 1, but the, mm-hmm. they really turned the heat up on Icelanders 2. Icelanders 2, Judgment Day. <laughs> Icelanders 2, Global Meltdown. <laughs> That's actually the third one, uh, Global yeah. Meltdown. If we're, if, we're, if we're using the ice... I think the third Ice Age movie is Meltdown, I don't remember. And the fourth one, Dinosaurs Show Up. Let's see, what's the... What, we, what do we need to cover here? Because this episode is not... There's not a ton that happens here. No, it's, it's a little bit It didn't strike me as like lighter. one of the best steps of the of the season it's kind of it's weird because i was i was thinking about it while watching and i was like i am having such a great time i have no idea what i have to say about it like yeah as opposed to some of the other episodes where i'm like there are there are things both engaging me and wanting to make me discuss this one i was like this is a good episode yeah yeah (laughs) i mean that was my essentially my feeling as well there are a couple cool visual like cinematography moments which i probably Mm -hmm. will forget to point out because well Either we won't go through dialogue on those scenes or I'll just forget. But one of them is there's a cute shot where Truman 
Cooper, I think, and Hawk are all entering a room and they kind of enter like one by one and like one's face overlaps the other and they kind of the, the blocking of it is like really cute. It's almost I like when a, they all like stand in line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's also it looks Doc like Hayward. a met they're gonna do oh that's right. It looks like they're gonna do a magical girl transformation or something. Yes, no, it's uh, very like anime. I, I, I remember I re- I retweeted this the other day on my private and Plockwas immediately was like, This is just this is Jojo. This is from a Jojo opening. <laughs> um which is it's true. It's it's very much that uh energy and it's it's good. It there's a lot of good shots on this one. And then the other shot that I really liked is the is there's one in a scene with um the Briggs going to family therapy with Dr. Jacoby, which we might go dialogue. We might go line by line in that one anyway, but uh, that one's nice because there's alternating sort of staccato lines between major and Mrs. Briggs. And instead of cutting between them, it just quickly pans between them on a single take, like a whip pan. It's very good. Usually you would use that for something exciting, but it's just two people saying lines in therapy and it's great. It's exciting to me. Yeah, that's true. Those are the kind of visual things that I noted mm-hmm. that I figured I would forget if we didn't cover them. Yeah, this episode explicitly. is written by by Frost, Mark Frost alone. Ah, interesting. So that makes sense why it's a lot of like putting the pieces back together. It feels yeah. like a a, a um, not it's a very yeah, procedural kind of a episode. Right. Yeah. Um, directed by Leslie Linka Gladder, uh, which it didn't sound familiar until I said it out loud. Now it does for some reason. Uh, but I guess uh, she directed Boyhood, right? No, I'm <laughs> but uh, I guess she, yeah, she, I guess she's directed a couple episodes of Twin Peaks and Mad Men and Homeland. Um, it always says music by Angelo Badalamenti, and I'm like, hell yeah, it oh, is Angelo. <laughs> oh, Angelo. Um, but yeah, so there's less a lot of like plot stuff going on, continuing. Yeah, so that you already talked about the Icelanders coming in for another uh, deal that they're trying to make. Ben and Jerry Horn. That's just kind of in the background for this whole episode. There's some stuff that happens at the Great Northern during their like party stuff. Uh, mainly, I think relevant at the end of the episode when a lot of stuff is happening in the the Great Northern at the same time. But uh, as far as like the 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 plot with Cooper and Harry, it it starts with them searching the rest of Jack's apartment and finding stuff. There, uh, he's not there. Also, I'm just reading the wiki here, and it's like, oh, yeah, no one's seen Jock for two days, and it looks like Bernie jumped bail, and was like, he's dead. When are they going to find that out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess they probably will eventually, or maybe they don't. I don't necessarily remember that scene. We did go skip over a Cooper and Audrey scene. It's more of Audrey oh, flirting yes. with him. He clarifies her age. It's unclear if he's doing so in a way of, like... A baby illegal, or if he's saying like, "How yeah. old are you?" Like it's kind of, yeah. like from the line, it's kind of unclear how to tell. But I think the show makes it clear eventually that it's kind of the second. But it, it does play it kind of yes. fast and loose for a while about his relationship yeah. with which, this person who ju- like just turned eighteen, which is kind of and he's a fucking federal agent just swooping into town. It's a weird situation. Yeah, it is a weird situation. Like narratively, as like a showrunner, I understand why you right play with the open space but also like eh. also the actor isn't 18 by a mile so yeah. it yeah. doesn't see so on screen it doesn't seem weird yeah but it is in the fiction mm-hmm. but yeah no it's also i guess going into it like rewatching it being like i know where this ends so i don't feel uncomfy but i guess it's worth mentioning that it is a, a weird space to play in 
Uh, but yes, he does. They do clarify that she is 18. I forgot about that scene. I, I was when I was thinking of Audrey, I was thinking about the, the end of the episode. They find some other stuff in Jack's apartment. Uh, I think it's mainly the the magazine, the 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 porno mag. That's right. So this is, I like that when they do find it, it, it it's kind of their next clue. It's very funny to me because where are they? Where they? Yeah, they're in Jacques' apartment. You're right. Yeah, they're yeah they're still there. The way that they find it, or I guess I think, I think it's technically the next day. They just come back and search it again. Cooper turns to Harry and says, "Like, give me a leg up," and he does. He like gives him a boost to the ceiling, and then it's, Cooper it's just comes down cute. from the ceiling with the porno mag. Like, I got a magazine bro, on the ceiling. Where did you? Where did you get that? Like, I realize you got it just show. from off frame, but. <laughs> Like, what pocket dimension is in this dude's lighting fixtures? Yes, the anyway. thing, they don't show you if it came from, like, it was snuggled up in lighting or anything. It's a great also, bit. why would he hide it there? So funny. I love it's, it. It's great. Um, but yes, they, you know, it's another connective thread because it was a, it, is it the same issue even that has, like, I think it's a Leo different Struck issue of Flesh World. But it might be the same issue, but I believe it's a different issue. But the point of the matter is just that finding it again and, and thinking more, thinking of it over again, they realize like it is a classifieds magazine, essentially Craigslist uh, personals in, the, in 89 <laughs> in 89. So it was in a magazine of essentially just like. You would write your little classified ad of like, I was trying to, I was reading one on the screen that I thought was the caption above, uh, that I thought was the caption on Leo's truck, because yeah, that they find Leo's truck in the issue again, and I was trying to read mm-hmm. the caption that I thought was for it, but it was clearly for, for another, it was clearly the caption below that was like his, but that one is cut off frame, because I was reading it, I was like, I wonder what Leo says about himself, and then it says Ebony Mail, and I, oh no. <laughs> that's 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 the that's not the right caption that's not him Mm -hmm. uh but i think the point is just that they can because it's a classifieds ad they go to the address listed for leo because it's not leo and shelly's house it's some other location Mm -hmm. if i remember right that sounds right also i'd completely forgotten there is like a sort of gross joke in this which the the wiki reminded me because i'd already forgotten about it i guess transphobic like man and dress stuff in one of the ads there is um which makes me wonder i wonder if anyone complained about it because there is a great trans character later in the show that people are good about i wonder if like there's a thread there they're sometimes good the show it's i mean it's 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 a cis guy playing the character but i think it's a cis guy playing the character it's it is definitely ahead of its time and is definitely better than the average thing of its time but they do fuck they 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 do put their foot in their mouth in ways that you would expect them to yes but yeah it is better than most depictions Mm -hmm. of that era so yeah 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 uh you know yeah i mean and also i mean it's it is someone that works with cooper so they're also a cop so yeah but yeah, there are a lot of things I like about that character, even if it's not uh, uh, perfect. Yeah, and she comes back in the return as well, and she has a nice little spot there that I really like. I like that scene a lot, and it's like it's 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 another thing where it's like, yeah, this is you know, this is the FBI, but also this is this idea of like I've made this the most powerful person in the show right now. Don't worry about it. Right, right. Um, malleability. Anyways, uh, I wanted I wanted to to call that out because I found that uh, worth mentioning. Uh, Shelly and Bobby have some scenes in this episode. They, I actually really like the scene of them just, like, 
role-playing, like, being mean back to Leo, and then they hear a door knock and are, like, scared children again? Yeah, it's the it's the same bit from the first episode, essentially, where, like, Bobby's talking about, like, how uh, he's a, a sex racket baby <laughs> gonna blast off manhood. And Big then bad the bobcat. <laughs> and then the second... Uh, Leo, the possibility of Leo being within a rock's throw of him comes up. He immediately loses his shit, kicks Shelly out of the car and drives the other way. Like that's in the pilot. It is essentially the same bit here where they're talking about. uh, Well, I guess they are just kind of talking about Leo. They're not really talking about the plot at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah. She says, like, "What would you do if you walked in right now?" And then, yeah, as you mentioned, Bobby role plays like, "I'd kill him for you, baby." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'd, I'd tell him that you're that you're mine, and I'm protecting you. And then, uh, yeah, the door the door knocks, and then he runs away scared. And uh, it's just Andy, <laughs> just, just, uh, just Deputy Andy, um, asking questions about uh, if Leo is here, and then he's not, and. This is another case of like kind of like leading the investigation incorrectly, but also kind of works out anyway, because she says a bunch of stuff about Leo connecting him with Jacques or, or Jacques. They're following a rabbit hole and it'll lead him somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll lead somewhere. It really happens more just because of the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department following up on other crimes essentially it like because they're following up on the Jacques stuff because of the bookhouse boys stuff of the drug running stuff but it's all yeah connected to the Laura stuff anyway yeah that's the thing it's like Cooper Cooper's very much like look all this stuff is going to be tangled together we'll just keep following until all Mm -hmm. the clues until we run out of clues yeah that's that's basically it Andy like it gets you know another confirmation that Leo and, and Jacques are doing shit together and then leaves Bobby leaves her with the gun. I like that Andy mispronounces Renault and says Renault. I think he that does was, that yeah. again later. That's good. I think it's I think it's purposeful because probably Andy don't know these fancy French talkings. Jacques Renault. Jacques Jacques Renault. <laughs> I love Andy, man. He's so good. Uh, <laughs> I'm basically playing the. I'm basically playing uh, the spirit of Andy reincarnated into a trans girl King of the Hill character for this season of VRE. Like that's the easiest way to describe her. Um, I mean, that's, that's because I'm channeling. I'm kind of trying to channel both of those energies uh, into the character, uh, and it's a blast. Very powerful. Very powerful. I was thinking about this uh, during this episode. Maybe not this scene specifically, but. Bobby, uh, played by Dana Ashbrook, maybe one of my favorite performances across the whole thing. His performance is so good. Like he's extremely good. Well, I mean, he's given the permission to just be unhinged because yeah, he's but a, also he's a teen. He's he's maybe given the most to do because I'm like, yeah, I love Andy. I love these performances. But like but like Ray Wise is Leland getting to break down a lot and Bobby being unhinged fuckboy teen who also mm-hmm. cries a lot like mm-hmm. and he nails every bit of that spectrum really well um i was just i was thinking about it because in he's one of the you know season three comes 25 years later a lot of the characters on the show were already uh, you know older actors in the 90s a lot of them passed away some of them just don't return anyway uh he's one of the characters that does come back in season three and 
he's still phenomenal then. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. he just gets to kind of do a whole range of stuff. And I just, I want to, I wanted to say that he's really good. Uh, this episode, he has good range too, just because he gets to cry later, which we were yeah, kind of talking about see. that scene earlier. But um, there's a quick uh, scene with Ed and Norma that we should probably talk yeah, about. Yeah, we should say Leo comes back and does his normal abuse <laughs> shit. Is that, is, that, uh, is that this scene? I thought it was a little bit later, but you're right. Or I guess he, he does come back. He doesn't do the abuse shit yet. I don't know. Don't no, I think it's um, I mean, I don't know if anything yeah, else. I guess happens he just he, he just Shelley. comes back and it's like tense because Bobby just left. I don't think anything else happens. Actually. Um, well, right. yeah, before before Bobby leaves, she gets the phone call that he's on his way back. I think that's it's right. The, yeah, I think it's the end of the episode when he comes home and she like holds he, she, you know, puts the gun up to him. And then there's that confrontation. That's right. But I can't remember if there's anything in between those two points for Shelly. I'd have to. I'm skimming. Uh, I don't, I don't let's think so. see. I don't remember this. Ed and Nor- oh, I do remember this. Ed and Norma scene. It's it's very quick. Just kind of getting important. them on the same page. I don't think any plot movement really happens here. The, the main thing is that, you know, Norma's like, look, Hank's Hank's back out on parole now. And she's, you know, the thing with Norma, she's like, look. We're going to end up together, right, Ed? We just got to deal with divorces, but we want to be together. It's, yeah. And Ed's like... It's kind of a, you're going to have to wait a little longer, Ed, because... But but Ed's response is like... What, what I think is interesting is that Ed's response is like, well, I'm pretty worried about Nadine. I don't know what I'm going to do right now. And Norma's yeah. like hurt and, and heartbroken by this. And she's like, don't call me for a while. And it's sad. This is weirdly uh, one of the emotional subplots that I'm like most connected to in this show. It I don't know good. what it is. Yeah. It might just be b- because of I really like where it goes in season three by the end of it. But characters are just great, too. Like they have yeah, good. Actors. They have a good chemistry together. The actors. Mm-hmm. And the... Very yeah. funny to me that on the wiki, there is no page for drape runners. It's so it's pivotal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just all this. This one sentence that sums up the whole scene. Also, it's like a, a, a link for Drape Runners, but it's red because Paige does not exist. Hate to see it. Um, Audrey gets a job and she blackmails uh, the guy. By, there. by, by extort, yeah, by ex- extorting the, <laughs> by the extorting her dad's middle management, I guess, is what you would describe that guy as. I don't think he shows up again, but Probably Emery, not. I guess, is his name. But yeah, he's just an employee of or some sort of manager of Horn's department store that Audrey mm-hmm. extorts into giving. She, he was going to give her a job somewhere else in the department store, uh, but she's like, you're actually going to give me a job at the perfume counter, actually, <laughs> and, and then threatens him. He shows up some more times. I'm looking at the wiki. Oh, neat. Oh, right. In season two, especially, I think. Yeah, I think he's in the next episode and then some season two stuff. But yeah, so basically the short story long, uh, she wants to work at the perfume counter. He's like, no, that's a more, you know, we. I had to talk to your dad. That's a. And I don't know if we want to get into why, but uh, sh- they're very specific about who they have work there. And if you remember, both Ronette and Laura worked there and mm-hmm. both and that's why she wants to were either killed or put into a coma. So Audrey's like, what's going on over behind that perfume counter? Yeah. <laughs> so what, that's why happened? she wants the job if we weren't clear. Yeah. Yeah. So she and she uh, yeah, blackmails this guy to she's like, don't tell my dad what I'm doing, but you're going to put me over there or else. And then. Uh, it works, so I guess we'll see how that goes later. Donna and James have a conversation. James basically just tells his sad backstory. Yeah, what is it? That his dad is a traveling musician? Yeah, he's just a deadbeat. 
but uh, and uh, yeah, I guess didn't have a relationship with his dad and his mom has sex, I guess, is the thing that makes yeah, her bad. It's, it's, it's I weird. Don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think the problem with his mom is that she's not here. She's, she's not there. But it, yeah. it, the way that he describes it is so weird because I'm just trying to imagine this scenario. He says, it's true. She was out of town this week, but she wasn't traveling. What she does is she goes to another town, shacks up in some cheap hotel with a couple bottles and picks up guys. <laughs> Cool. Sounds like she's having a great time. I mean, if she, I mean, she have should a kid. be there and be she should be there and be your mom. But also, you look thirty five, so I don't <laughs> really feel bad about it. <laughs> I, I like. He's a sad I think boy. you and your your big leather jacket and your motorcycle can handle yourself. But I do realize <laughs> that in the eventual universe, it is a bad thing for her to be doing. But it's yeah. just very funny to see this grown man being like, "I'm sad because my mom fucks." <laughs> Uh, he's he's so gentle, James. And Donna doesn't seem to like. Oh, I don't want to dismissively say she doesn't care, but like none of it bothers her. She's like, okay, you know, I'll hug you, you big, big sad boy. Yeah. And that's that's uh re- really the only scene there. Later in the episode, they meet up with Madeline, uh, Laura's cousin that looks just like her, but with different hair color, and they basically get her in on their their teen detective subplot. They're like, look. We have some ideas of who might have done this. We're going to follow some stuff. Will you help us out? And Madeline. Yeah, they like, use yeah, her as their person on the inside. The inside yeah. being the Palmer house. Because the that's inside being looking where she's like staying. Laura. That, that too. That does come up in future episodes. But in yeah. this one, they just use her to uh, look for any hiding places in the Palmer house. And she does end up finding a tape uh, mm-hmm. record, uh, like a tape that Laura had recorded, but we won't hear that tape until next episode. But that's basically what's happened in the teenager plot, the set. Yep, and notably, they have that conversation a little too loud in the Double R Diner, and uh, Hank, now out on parole, hears it. He's playing with his little domino keychain, so you know it can't be good. I forgot that they cut to... Why do they do that? They, like, pan over because he's just, like, in the next... I don't know, he's involved with something. Like, he's doing shit with Leo and... He the seems bad to guys. be the he seems to be the like Leo's crime boss. It, it, like Hank seems to answer kind of to like your Benjamin Everyone Horn, knows. but only in so much as like they seem to hire him, Hank, to do bad crime things. And I think Leo mm-hmm. is like one of his guys because one of the scenes we get later in this Who episode is Hank finds Leo's uh secret base and he's like uh hey you trying to start your own operation here uh you don't start franchises you're mine and he beats him up yes yeah i know i don't remember the the details of, so uh, so maybe there's some the connection. hierarchy maybe he, they ran over to him because because laura was somehow involved in the drug stuff in ways i don't recall well i mean she was running it and later and and using obviously yeah. but so i i imagine leo and hank probably to some extent don't want things to lead back to them, even if they didn't kill her. That's true. And Tangled Web, Tangled Web, small town. Anyways, as they're leaving the, the Double R Diner, it like pans over to him, clearly listening in another uh, booth. Anyways, yeah, they, let's see. Yeah, I think we already kind of summed up the, uh, oh, they find in, in the magazine, they continue to look through it, uh, the, the officers, Cooper, Perry, etc. They find Laura's ad in it. That's right, yeah. Cooper is drawn to the fact that her picture is in front of red drapes, 
and that Jock's uh, cabin photograph also has red drapes in the magazine for his ad, so they are going to go look for that. So that's that. Norma talks to Hank in the double R scene, and then there's, I guess, the the Jacoby scene before they go into the woods. Ah, yeah, here we go. Now I'm at the Shelly, Norma, Hank scene. Yeah, this is this is right after the the the, the other teens leave. But yeah, they come in after their uh, aforementioned beauty day, salon day. But Hank's here. Right. Hank kind of like threatens Norma. Is that what this last bit is here? Like, yeah, because it says he grabs her. Unaware, Norma and Shelly nearly walk by Hank. Hank reaches out and grabs Norma's coat. Oh, I think he's just trying to get her. No, you're in the right. That's the right scene. I just I don't know if I describe it that way. I think it's just getting her attention. But like the the energy between them is like I'm stressed out when I watch it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, even if, like, I think he's trying to not be... His uh, intimidation stat is so high, he just has the, the like, the the yeah. anti-paladin aura around him. He's like an oathbreaker paladin or whatever. Just everyone around him is not having a good time. Yeah, like, he, I, think, I think there is something to the performance where he's, like, trying to act and talk like a normal person, but even that stresses me out because you can tell it's not natural. <laughs> Well, like he's trying to act like, it. hey, I've turned I've turned myself around. But we know for a fact that he's still caught up in all of the same crime webs. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that he was before. So it's like, you know, you, no matter how like prim and proper he acts, you know that there is another side. Yeah, there's there's uh, there, there's it's a good performance, though, in that way. Like, there's a lot to to read into, um, even if there's only so much to say on our podcast about it. Uh, but yeah, so he's going to work at the double R. So that's why he's. He's here now, and Norm is, like, hesitant, worried, understandably. Uh, but that's really uh, all there is there. Uh, but, yeah, then we have the scene that you talked about earlier with Bobby's parents talking to Dr. Jacoby about him, and then eventually, like, because as you were describing it, it's, like, quickly panning back and forth uh, between the two of them as they're doing sentences back and forth. Specifically about Bob. They're, all, they're at family yes. therapy, but they're exclusively talking about Bobby's behavior. Yep, they're concerned about him. I think it's funny that every time Major Garland Briggs stops talking, he looks at his wife, but I don't think she ever mm-hmm. looks at him. So it's just like some interesting uh, body language in the in the quick pans. Uh, eventually, it, you know, it cuts to Jacoby. You know, it, it makes him feel like, as is, as he's supposed to because of the casting and the wardrobe, it just makes him feel like he's constantly at attention to whatever is going yeah. on. Yeah, I think I think uh, Garland's a great a great performance. He, he hasn't really done a lot yet in this first season, and he eventually becomes very important. But uh, I, I I always like watching him. He's a weirdo. Uh, they cut to Jacoby uh, on the other side of this conversation, asking if Bobby uses drugs. Uh, and then you cut to a wide shot and realize that Bobby is there. Uh, and, and he's like he's like no, and they're like oh, you're drinking. He's like that doesn't count. Come on, anybody who. What's the Back to the Future line? Come on, anybody who's anybody drinks. <laughs> but that is basically what Bobby says, is everybody drinks. Um, mm-hmm. I, read, I read that book as a child. Jacoby asks if he's unhappy, and he's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, are you unhappy, Bobby? Shouldn't I be? Jacoby eventually asks to speak to Bobby alone, and so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Major and Miss Mrs. Briggs reluctantly let him go. I do like the exchange before that, where Bobby, for some reason, asked Jacoby. I mean, I guess I know why he would say this to Jacoby, but he's like, "Have you ever killed somebody?" And Jacoby's like, "Have you?" And Bobby's like, "My dad has." 
my father has. And he's like, whoa, whoa, during wartime. And then Zaynort Briggs says, only during wartime. <laughs> yeah, that's different, Bobby. He's like, different from what? Fuck you. Uh, and yeah. And then, yeah, then Jacoby's like, well, I'm going to talk to the boy alone. Uh, so he does. This scene is interesting. I enjoy watching it. Jaco- I mean, we've already talked about how Jacoby's like not up to snuff on like his job that he does. No, he he views his job as a psychiatrist as that he needs to. He clearly knows about psycho about human psychology, but he doesn't use it to make people better. He uses it to figure out shit that he wants to know. Yeah, which I is think he's just bored. To say in this scene, he's essentially just breaking Bobby down about Laura. Mm-hmm. to hear him talk about Laura, because as we mentioned from a previous episode, Jacoby is trying to kind of do an investigation of his own into Laura's disappearance, or at least that's what he said. Yeah, yeah, he's he's interested in his own ways uh, for his own reasons. But yes, because, I mean, I guess there's only one psychiatrist in town, so I wonder how much you can care about conflict of interest. Yeah. But because he already knows everything about Laura, he's able to use that information to... Just kind of fuck Bobby up and turn him into a, a a crying mess by just asking him all these very specific questions. And it's revealed essentially that at least in Bobby and Doctor Jacoby's perception, Bobby weren't too fucked up a guy until Laura got him into drugs and uh, crime and all these things. And yeah, and Jacoby seems to think that Laura was kind of obsessed with corrupting other people because she felt herself. That she herself had been corrupted is Jacoby's kind of psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Bobby does uh, does start to break down and cry as he talks about this. Uh, Laura got him to start selling, which is not, you know, what the show made it seem like at first, because you start with her dead and Bobby's like being an asshole about it. But now you realize it's uh, depression. <laughs> so... And, ab- and abuse sounds like... A lot of things, yeah. That's the thing. You, you, as you start to see the full picture of like, bad parent situation, bad friend situation. He's already been in it for a little while, mm-hmm. which I think is all, all well done. But uh, yeah, no, I, I like I like this scene a lot. Bob, yeah, the end, the scene basically ends with Bobby saying she made me sell drugs so she could have them. So that's there's that. And now I think we go to the woods. That's right. Which this is the. This is the secret cabin, right? Uh, first they get to the the log lady cabin is first. Oh, that's right. We go to lo- the log. They did they th- where? I guess they were going to Leo's secret cabin, and along the way they just had a pit stop with the log lady because yeah, I'm 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 not sure about it because they are like hesitantly going up to this door with like guns drawn, and then she walks out like you're late, assholes. You should have been here two days ago, and I they just seem confused about it. And I'm like, do you not know that she lives here? Come on. It is it is weird. Like, I don't know the answer to that. They know each other. But anyway, it, maybe Hawk knows that they were going there. But the other but like Cooper doesn't, which is maybe why Cooper still had his gun. But Hawk was just uh, playing it mysterious just to amp up the witch in the forest vibe, because that is essentially the scene here is consulting this mystic or this oracle, the log lady mm-hmm. and her log. Uh, the log lady Margaret, that's her name, Margaret Lanterman, um, and her mm-hmm. and her log. Uh, they're kind of consulting these spiritual oracles for information for the case. Uh, it's kind of made more clear that the log seems to be 
a place where multiple spirits live, and that's why and and Margaret somehow has the ability to speak to these spirits, and that's when she's saying, talk to my log, she's kind of saying, like, talk to the spirits that reside within it, it seems to be the implication here. It's it's more than just yeah. a lady who has a log that she personifies. It's a lady who believes that she's talking to mm-hmm. uh, ghosts or spirits through it. I like to imagine that Plank and Ed and Nettie is a reference to the log. I don't know if it is, but... Uh, yeah, she, out of nowhere, starts talking about her husband, uh, that he was a logging man, and then she says, he met the devil. Fire is the devil, hiding like a coward in the smoke. And they don't, it's, there's a very brief conversation, almost entirely put together from asides, but, uh, cause, like, Doc. Yeah, because, like, they, they just keep asking her, like, uh, straightforward questions, and she doesn't give straightforward answers, because the, mm-hmm. cause that's the character she is. She's the, yeah. You know, the mystic of the forest, the hermit of the forest who speaks in. I, I didn't even it's so quick. I didn't remember that they even were this specific with it. But uh, yeah, she mentions that her husband died in the fire. Doc Hayward, who is still there uh, in their group, uh, is like it wasn't done the day right after the wedding. And Hawk just says the wood holds many spirits, doesn't it? And then she does not answer. She, she goes. Oh, on right. About. It. Yeah. About. Yeah. Or about, yeah. I guess either question, either Doc Hayward's question or Hawk's. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does encourage cooper to talk to the log uh or at least ask the log a question cooper asks what did you see that night the night laura palmer was killed and the log lady says i'll do the talking she says to the log (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh and then she says dark laughing the owls were flying many things were blocked laughing two men two girls flashing lights passed by in the woods over the ridge the owls were near the dark was was pressing in on her. Quiet then. Later, footsteps. One man passes by. Screams far away. Terrible. Terrible. One voice. Uh, Cooper says, man or girl, and the log lady says, girl, further up, over the ridge. The owls were silent. And that's kind of her. The end of her, what would you call that? Not a prophecy, it's a description of past events. Her sort of clairvoyance there. Yeah, yeah, clairvoyance is probably... Accurate enough. Accessing the Akashic records. Yeah, yeah, it, that's actually the, the, exactly what it is. Um, that's what the log is. Yeah, no, it's just a very good, descriptive sort of piece of writing. I think she does a great job delivering it. There's another line that, that bolsters my owls are spiritual security cameras mm-hmm. thing, because um, earlier in that scene... There's a couple owl mentions she in says, this. The owl, the owls won't see us in here. So mm-hmm. more, more, more idea of the owls being these kind of watchers. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of owl stuff in Twin Peaks. I don't know if you've heard about this. That they might not be what they seem. <laughs> Getting more and more reports about this. But uh, anyways, that's the end of the Everyone scene. Everyone is saying this. More and more people are saying this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the scene. Uh, they are. They kind of try to like other... interpret what she says. She's like, yeah. the two girls might be Laura and Ronette. The two men might be Jacques and Leo, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a they third man. As and they super don't know ass. who that is. Yeah. Um, I think the the pacing of this episode might be pointing towards, like, should you think it's Hank or something like that? Um, that's the vibe I got watching it, even though I know sure. the truth. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think it's a fun mystery the show uh, plays with. Uh, but yeah, then they find the actual 
cabin that they're looking for. Cooper holds up the photograph of it to you know to show the viewer that's the same one. Uh, red drapes in the windows. I think it's very funny. Like it's got to be intentional that they're all using the word drapes the whole time and not curtains or or anything else. Not that I think Nadine is involved in any way. Obviously, <laughs> it's just it's just like the repetition of the word feels significant. Uh, yeah, it's um. There's, they're evoking the same platonic form. It's they're like it feels like a summon, you know. It's like a, it's a the drapes are a deity that must be respected. The 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 sound of the word drape just feels more familiar, even if the initial instances weren't connected in right, any right. way. What happens here in the cabin is essentially they find Waldo. The, yeah, essentially a lot of the things that the dream or previous clues pointed to show up here. So Waldo, the bird. There's a cuckoo clock that also is a bird singing a pretty song. In addition to Waldo being a bird that sing a, sings a pretty song. And the man from another place said, where I come from, the birds sing a pretty song. And there's always music in the air. There was a record being played when they got there on a loop. Uh, yeah, there's red drapes, just That's like in I the dream. The house. My, I had a fucking roommate <laughs> freshman year. Who would do that? He put on what was the what was that song? Um, hold on, who's that fucking Pretty Lights? Is that the name of that remix artist? I have no idea. Dude would put on Pretty Lights, fucking womp up the jams, and then just like leave, <laughs> leave? and go to a party and forget that his music is still playing in his room. And forget it's like or not care. Well, I'm, I mean the second one, but then you put me in a situation where you're like, do I'm like bust in start fucking with this dude's computer which i did because i wanted to stop hearing it hearing it <laughs> but it makes you it makes you feel bad for doing it yeah anyway shout out tom um last of the real ones <laughs> <laughs> keep keep uh, keep playing your records when you're not home yeah anyways they, they find more uh, stuff did they find anything else here There's like, yeah there, there must be another clue that i'm forgetting everywhere they look is a clue even if not like they're all big important dream ones that's true and we don't even go through all of them because there's like yeah. film in one of the cameras that will yeah. be developed later blood on the floor there's blood the big things oh, they are find the, the, the rest bird. of the poker chip they find yes, the rest of the poker too. chip that part of which was in uh one of the victims Laura's I mean, it must be laura's was, stomach because they wouldn't be going the through runouts when she's still alive yeah true uh yeah the, the j was in her stomach it came from uh a poker chip which they now find a one-eyed jacks poker chip with the j missing seems like open and shut uh uh-huh. and yeah there's blood on the floor they find the bird that they were looking for waldo uh because she had um bird like marks but i don't bites is that right i don't know but i don't know shit about birds uh yeah bites yeah uh but they find the bird that they were looking for which is how they got down this rabbit hole to begin with um yeah the just, there's a lot bird. of things waldo the, the wine the, the yeah someone said the wine bird the minor bird waldo <laughs> but yeah they find all this stuff uh which will continue to be part of the investigation for the rest of the season etc but now the rest of the episode i believe just takes place at the great northern which, just like every good kids movie, we end with a dance party. Woo! It's Everything sad. is awesome! Because <laughs> <laughs> we do, this is just cutting to the dance, right? Basically, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, Ben and Jerry, mainly Jerry, are hosting this, like, fun little dance party for the Icelanders because they, they want them to sign the contract. Uh, Pete 
and Catherine Martell show up. Uh, Pete says, go easy on the sauce tonight, okay, Kathy? Uh, and she says, couple of belts, and even you might start to look good to me. And then she- <laughs> what is, I don't even know what a belt is. Is that I an amount of alcohol? I guess I so. assume it's an amount of alcohol I've never drank in one sitting. A belt, yeah, <laughs> gonna, I don't know. I'm gonna Google belt drinking. What is a belt of alcohol? This verb sense of belt, meaning to drink, then led by the 1920s to the use of belt as a noun, meaning a drink of liquor, especially a quick, possibly furtive drink. Bob stepped behind the bleachers and took a quil- quick belt from his flask. Cool. Neat. Thanks, word-detective.com. Hell yeah. The best kind of detective there is. He just kind of, like, smiles anyway. Like, this is who he is, I guess, Pete. As she walks also, off. Also, they hate each other. They have this weird, like, we hate each other, but it's fine. We have an arrangement it's, yeah, it, that they it's, have. It seems like they, they have a good enough time unless Josie's involved. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be where they get actually uh, two man. But yeah, so they, you know, there is uh, some some mill subplot going on here. Uh, Jerry's trying to fuck. <laughs> hebba, hebba. He, yeah, he hits on a woman named Hebba by pretending that the English phrase hubba hubba is actually hebba hebba. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that's going to work. Maybe, you know what? We don't see the end. Maybe it I does. don't know. He, I was looking at her page on the wiki. She's in the next episode. So damn. stay tuned. He tries to get in her pants by saying, do you realize the incredible t- potential that could result from taking a mutual dip in each other's respective gene pools? <laughs> Christ, Jerry, you fucking insult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of characters here just kind of like showing, I guess, I don't know, characterization by how they interact with people from other countries. Major, like Garland Briggs is uh, talking a lot about like mythology to a, <laughs> to a guy. Uh-huh. And he's just like, yeah, sure. Whatever, man. We, yeah. Jerry with Habba. Benjamin Horn is making a uh, joke. That I love, which is what do you get when you cross a Norwegian with a Swede, a socialist who wants to be king? That's me! (laughs) (laughs) I'm a socialist who wants to be king. It's not true, but I am a socialist. And I have delusions of grandeur, so... (laughs) That's why you make podcasts, though. Yeah. Covers it. Catherine just, like, pours pours a drink on his shoe mid-conversation. He's like, I'll I'll be right back. Uh, So then they (laughs) talk about uh, more... More shit. Uh, burning and yeah, she fucking wants, she, their usual. She's like, burn down the mill and then fuck me. And he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give her like another day to sell. Hold on. She finds, she reveals the poker chip that she found in the last, I don't know, episode or two where he, he played with little of us. He dropped a poker chip <laughs> and she found it. And now she's like showing it to him and she's like, why are you going to one eye jacks? I thought you liked older women like me. Uh, I guess she doesn't know that he owns and runs it. I, don't, I guess that's a secret to everybody. I figured she would be someone who knew. I guess not. But she like keeps slapping him. Yeah, Ben tries to play it off in a series of very easy, easy to see through lies where he's like, uh, Jerry gave it to me. She slaps him. Uh, it's a good luck charm. I thought I'd lost it. I'm so relieved that you found it. She slaps him. Are you finished? She slaps him. <laughs> <laughs> and then they make out. It's true. Uh, and uh, also worth mentioning that hiding in the walls is Audrey watching this. I don't remember why she's following him. I think just she wants to know what he's up to. Trying to figure out one-eyed jack shit, I'm sure. Yeah. We also get 
later on, which we might skip over this. We get later on some sort of scene where Ben and Josie are actually in on lumber mill plot together against yeah. Catherine. So Ben is seemingly playing both sides of that feud mm-hmm. because Ben is Ben. We will later see Ben explaining everything about like he gives the false. He gives the faked ledger that she was looking for to her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, more yeah, of that. I don't remember stuff. a lot of the details of the. I, I don't like the thing is, I don't dislike it. I enjoy watching it. I think it's compelling enough. The performances are good. But like it is just I exhausting it to recount because I, yeah. because I can't retain. It's just like, yep, everybody wants that land. They sure do. They're going to yeah. do. And it's valuable. It. <laughs> I, I, I would I would yeah. argue it's valuable for the show as it is. But well, it it's is. just it's just a nice, like constant motivating factor to have in the background to get mm-hmm. people to do shitty or Capitalism. romantic or violent things to each other yeah it's 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 essentially a plot device there will always be some sort of mill conspiracy happening throughout the Mm -hmm. entirety of the show and people will constantly be betraying each other over it yeah yep and uh yeah it is the details i never really retain so it's also the thing that i'm like oh what do i need to say on this podcast now again i know more so than anything else we've done on this podcast i recommend you watch the show (laughs) you know yeah this first season is all you really need to want. That's the definitive bit, and it's only eight episodes. Yeah, and then I think from there you'll know if or you want to... nine, I guess, with the pilot. Yeah, and from there you'll know if you want to watch uh, more or not. But um, it's, I, I say this every episode. It's nice to see how many people are giving it a shot and liking it because of uh, the podcast. So that's cool. Um, it might be off Netflix by the time this episode comes out, but... Oh, no. There's, there's plenty of... I think it's on other services still. In Canada, um, it's on Crave. Yeah, we've we've talked about Crave. All right, song ends. Icelander four. Uh, I think we I think we got a whole concept album put together here of Icelander songs. <laughs> I just I just want to read this Pete line now. Let me get this straight. Your entire country is above the timber line. <laughs> he looks so incredulous. Like, how could this be possible? What kind of wasteland do you live in? No response. I think the, no I think the, only, the only other important thing that happens here at this party is that Leland has a another one of his classic breakdowns. He shows uh, up. They he start actually, playing. Sw- he shows up earlier in the episode and they're like, trying to like get him out of here they're like i don't this is gonna be bad if he's here and he ruins another deal yeah but he he ends up wandering back and they start playing big band swing music and you know whenever whenever you get the requisite number of horns together and i don't mean horn family i mean wind instruments Uh then then, uh leland's gonna start crying about his dead daughter and boy does he but benjamin is like, oh my god, he's going to ruin this again, this time with people from Iceland instead of Norway. And so uh-huh. he has Catherine go dance with him to calm him down, which works for a bit. Yeah, he starts grabbing his head, uh, and she, like, mimics it to make it look like a dance move. That's that's right. She kind then- of is the first follower to his... Uh, strange movements, so that they're... Yeah. It, it's the hip new dancing craze now. Yeah, and then other people... All, all the Iceland people join in. It's like, it's very interesting. I'm like, it's as funny as the sad as both. Uh, and then like what really completes the scene is random cuts to Audrey sobbing in the corner because she's going through it. She's had a hell of a day. Yeah. What's, what's interesting to me about the song starting is that who did it 
and why. Because it wasn't Leland. He's taken aback by it. He's, like, distressed at hearing it. But, like, Jerry was in the middle of a speech. Oh, that's true. He was. And then the music just starts playing. I guess yeah. it's just, like... He's surprised by it. And then everyone's, I like... I guess it's just, like, a... The whole thing's gone haywire, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just that. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's basically the scene, as, as you described it. There's a Madeline scene I don't remember, apparently. We, yeah, we already oh, talked this, about it. This we we talked about it. This is where she finds the tape recorder. Yep. That's right. Then we get the, we find out Ben is double-crossing Catherine with Josie thing that I described. Yep, yep. She gives him the, the, the other book where it was hidden in her desk. Then we get the Hank beaten up Leo scene for, because Hank found out Leo was trying to make his own little small business. Yeah, he yeah, he was like, I told you to mind the store, not open your own franchise, which is a good line. Then beat up Leo, heads into his house, and then there beats up his wife because he's angry. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, and that's what he does, I guess. Yeah, he's yelling at her, pushes her down, um, but this time she has a gun, so she pulls it out. And she shoots the bastard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't. Remember to what extent, but uh, he she pulls the trigger and the episode ends. That, well, it's not, actually, that's not the end of the episode, but it's the end of that scene. Uh, he's like, you won't do it. And then she does it. Um, and then she I think she cries afterwards. Yes, she does. Uh, yeah, I, I probably would. Yeah, no, I just I was trying to remember to be specific. Uh, it's a good scene. The lights start swinging. It is. I like whenever lights are fucked up. Scores in the show. Ver- the score is very good. Mm-hmm. A, a good aesthetic combination. Twin Peaks is. Uh, but there is one more scene before we oh back yeah, we to, some, back to song establishment visuals uh and then yeah what's icelander 2 bring in oh right it is the end of the party cooper's going upstairs trying to get some shut eye goes into his room uh but when he opens but the door is already open when he gets there he gets his gun and he says to the person that he assumes must have broken into his hotel he says reach over and turn on the light and she does and it's audrey and she says, take me, FBI man. But basically, uh, she, is, she is undressed in the bed, and uh, she just says, don't make me leave. And then she seems uh, sad. And that's the end of the She's episode. crying, yes. Yeah. And it is the end of the app. Uh, Joe, where are you on the internet? Well, uh, twitter.com slash ghost of Joe, ghost of J-O. Uh, on another podcast called We Are Watching One Piece, which is recapping One Piece. We are now finally in Dress Rosa, and we will be for the foreseeable future, uh, which is to say until, like, November, I think. Um, but there's it, there's so much already, and there will continue to be so much, because it's a big fucking arc of the anime called One Piece. Uh, I'm rewatching it. My co-host is watching it for the first time. I'm also writing about uh, all the Disney movies in the canon of the main studio. I, well, I'm nearing the renaissance. I'm in, like, the, the 70s, which are uh, fucking... Nah, go, nah, go, You're nah, in it, man. I'm in it. This is, the, this is the, the lowest point. Actually, I don't know. It's either going to be this or, like, the aughts, because I'm like, ah, I gotta watch <laughs> Chicken Little. But, um, both. I watched that, like, a week ago. Why? Actually. Uh, my partner wanted to watch it, and okay. so we did, and, you know... The sky was falling. Sure, it, it's... The sky was falling... It was aliens. Mm-hmm. I've heard about this. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sure it is fine. I, I, yeah. lo- I look forward to getting those, some, some of those weirder ones that I've just not seen. There is a cute little alien that does seem like a character straight out of the show, straight out of VRE, which I will be plugging mm. later. <laughs> Great. 
Uh, well, yes, you can find my essays. The project is called Make Mind Movies. Uh, ghostofjo.com if you want to read them. Uh, I also tweet them out. Uh, you can subscribe if you want them emailed to you Mondays and Fridays. Or if you want to listen to me read them to you, uh, you can search for Make Mind Movies and Spotify or a podcast app. They're, they're getting shorter now that uh, I'm in some of the, 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 the fallow periods, but uh even at their longest they're not more than like 10 minutes so easy to 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 pop on if you're interested uh wheels where can people find you http colon slash slash uh, actually you're gonna want to do https you're gonna want to keep that shit secure yeah. https colon slash slash www.twitter.com slash singular wheels that's where you can find me on twitter as well as a podcast called Very Random Encounters, where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and randomly determine as much as is possible. We're currently playing Bubblegum Shoe. I'm playing as Lady Johnston, who, as I mentioned before, is the unholy alliance Not to be confused of, with Leo Johnston. <laughs> uh, Johnston. There's even an additional consonant there. Lady Johnston is the unholy combination of uh, Deputy Andy vibes and King of the Hill vibes. And boy... Is she fun to play? That's my character in Bubblegum Shoe on Very Random Encounters. Um, you can find that at VRE.show, or you can find the book of fantasy random encounters that my VRE co-hosts and I wrote. You can pre-order that at bit.ly forward slash random book with a capital R-N-B. Please pre-order it. Pre-order that means book. that the more you pre-order it, the more physical books they'll put in stores when stores are a thing, which hopefully stores will be a thing in October when this book comes out, and hopefully there have been enough pre-orders to put our book in those stores that there will be. That's mm-hmm. the goal. That's the goal. What else? You can follow this show on Twitter at MemorizeCast. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash MemorizeCast. Get a, these episodes early for a dollar a month. If you go up to the $5 tier, you're going to get these episodes early and also monthly bonus episodes. And this summer we're talking about the uh, plot lore of the glory hammer records. Uh, it's a fun band by now. You've the first one's already up the first record. So uh, this is actually going to be a June episode. So uh, I think it might technically be the second June episode because of how the fucking, yeah, the first is a Tuesday. Uh, so yeah, you can, uh, the second one will be coming at some point this month. And then there's there's only three. So after that, we'll we'll either go back to what we were doing or come up with something else. You know. You'll probably get a coda update after those three because still yeah. plowing through. Yeah, there's yeah plenty of coda. I figure that's probably something we finish. Part three of JoJo is such a slog where I'm like, do I? How much do I care about this? Uh, so <laughs> so if you're a big JoJo fan, you should speak up and I'll do it. Uh, but just I don't. Yeah, I most people, including me, prefer the the Elder Scrolls stuff anyway. Um, and JoJo. I, th- I think part three is a lull that is not as fun to talk about as some of the later stuff. So maybe I, maybe I do some uh, episode Skip 50, around. episode yeah. 50 of Bed Bath and Bionicle stuff and just knock it out real quick. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, patrons reach out uh, messages on there. I, I tend to I look at every now and then or the discord. There's also a patron discord room. Uh, speaking of what you can join the discord also linked in our pin tweet. Uh, it should be in our show notes as well. And what else do uh, do we have to plug? Our theme music comes from uh, the Black Lodge. It's linked in the show notes, the one place that we found it. I think that's it. Uh, cool. You did the intro, so that means it's my turn to say that was episode five. 
Cooper's dreams. Yeah, I didn't memorize it. DJ, give me a Home Depot style beat. Hey, Riley. Yeah, Andrew. What do you say we build ourselves a podcast? That's a great idea, but what should it be about? So I'm thinking podcast where I call my grandma Jane and explain to her the plot of an anime. Podcast titled Don't Listen to My Dad. The Lin Manuel Miranda Epic Rap Battles of Mystery podcast. What if we call it the Podcast Minds? There, but for the grace of Pod, go we, and it comes out every Friday. <laughs> Riley, I want you to know that we're trying to make podcasts and not weapons. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs>